for me, the, the conversation is what actually keeps me from opening to sacred expressions of my body and mind and all phenomena. Of course, in this case, the sacred expression of sexuality, right? Welcome to the Spirit Underground Podcast with Dharma teachers Spring Washam and Lama Rod Owens. These conversations will include topics on Black liberation theology, healing with plant-based medicine, indigenous wisdom, Buddhist-based meditation practices, and reconnecting to our ancestral knowledge. Together we will explore what freedom means individually, collectively, and spiritually. If you would like to support the Spirit Underground podcast, please visit thebeherenownetwork.com slash donate. Okay, everybody, here we are back. So Spring Washam and Lamarad Owens. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to introduce myself. <laughs> you introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm Lamarad Owens. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are back with episode six of Spirit Underground, Conversations on Liberation. And I wanted to prompt us, as I've been talking to you, and we have all been talking about this topic, but... What is a liberated conversation about sexuality? It's kind okay. of like asking, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> and we, we're talking about this to provide more context because we all know, you know, Rome is burning. Everybody's mm-hmm. churches are going down. Mm-hmm. Communities are raw traumas. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we have a president, someone who's is a rape case right now. Somebody running for you know it's so triggering. Mm-hmm. Yet, um, my thoughts are: what is what is this about? How do we liberate our sexuality? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? How do we find freedom from all this trauma and pain yeah. and corruption? Yeah. Yeah. And how do we do it as a community? So I'm just yeah. so excited to talk to you about this today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think this is a really important conversation. You know, and as we begin the conversation for, you know, for folks who are listening, you know, I think it's important just to take care of ourselves, right? Because when we have conversations like this, I think sometimes we don't prepare ourselves, you know, which is not always possible because sometimes the stuff just happens on the spot. You know, you're right in it. But, you know, but I would just say for for our listeners that as we prepare to move into this conversation, right, um, just to, we just want to remind you that you can take care of yourself, uh, you know, to take breaks when you're listening to this or not to listen to this at all, um, to to really connect to the earth under you, to connect to your benefactors and beings around you, um, with you who are caring for you, um, and to yeah, and to always remember that you know so much of our work around liberation is learning to articulate what has kept us from experiencing freedom, you know. Um, as well, right? And, you know, and we're, you know, two people located, you know, in different, you know, both different and very similar um, identity intersections, you know, locations. Um, I come from, you know, my, my identity locations, you know, are, you know, queerness um, and um, cisgender identity location, um, blackness, um, class, you know, um, you know, particularly, um, kind of more of this working class, you know, kind of mentality that has deeply informed me. Um, fatness also has deeply informed, you know, how I show up, um, in conversation, conversations like this, um, as well. And then also, 
course, my identity as a spiritual teacher, uh, minister, uh, spiritual leader, and so forth, also plays a big role um, in how um, I've come into this conversation as well. So I think this is all important things to just kind of put out on the table um, as well. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's important to understand as we dive into these topics, because it is very triggering, mm-hmm. even, you know, to talk about sacred sexuality is to talk about what is not sacred. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. to talk about what has caused us so much pain. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting how it's just so up right now. And, yeah. I, you know, we all know the stories, but one of the stories that really... um it, it kind of gripped me. This is the Hillsong Church, this mm-hmm. Australian church that all the mm-hmm. celebrities were going to right. a few years ago. And, right. and But it wasn't about celebrities. It was about mm-hmm. the community in New York. Mm-hmm. And they had all these people. It's this Hulu documentary and mm-hmm. all these young black and brown and gay and all these people together mm-hmm. crying about what happened mm-hmm. and and the church falling apart and all around sexuality and sexual abuse and so one of the one of the things i wanted to talk about was that are are we teaching mm-hmm. enough about how to be in a community and not be married not be a monastic <laughs> you know what right. i mean like there's mm-hmm. no teaching about that right well, well I think there is actually teaching about it. It's just not emphasized, right? You mm. know, um, I think there's something really interesting, even going back a little bit, you know, around this kind of binary between sacred and secular, you know, because I think that's that's also where so much of the struggle lies because we have a tendency to to either you know to put and place things either as sacred or secular right mm-hmm. and particularly in spiritual communities when something becomes secular then is often devalued right but when we come into buddhism and particularly tantric buddhism you know the secular actually is sacred right because everything is an expression of emptiness and space and fluidity and energy, right? So all phenomena is an expression, um, in other words, of God, you know, um, of the essence, you know, of this Buddha nature, you know. Um, and I think for me, the, the conversation is what actually keeps me from opening to sacred expressions of my body and mind and all phenomena of course, in this case, the sacred expression of sexuality, right? And along with that desire, right? And and the erotic, right? Because sexuality, you know, is about how we um, create and engage in relationships with other beings, you know, with other people, and how that engagement is really um, kind of based in in pleasure, you know why, you know why am I doing this? Why am I feeling such a deep desire to engage physically with folks, you know, with other beings? And this sexuality, this expression of sexuality, sexuality is more than just biological. It's emotional. It's mental. Um, it's spiritual, right? And all of these realms, you know, um, are deeply influenced by the relative, you know, including culture, including identity, including um, society, right? And especially <laughs> including spirituality and religion and philosophies about body and transcendence and the ultimate experience you know, um, as well. Um, so that's, that's an important conversation there. Um, and I think another important kind of conversation is 
really this this experience of being triggered um, or even activated, maybe we can use that term as well. Um, because this is just like, I think when we start having conversations about particularly sexual misconduct, um, sexual ethical, um, ethical misconduct in spiritual communities, I think we have to start with this kind of like defining, you know, what we're talking about, the terms that we're using, you know, to, to open the door into a deeper interrogation, you know, of, um, of what's happening, right, and who we yeah. are yeah. in relationship to others and community. And I think, thank you. I think for some reason I was really inspired to want to mm-hmm. talk about this because mm-hmm. I just, it's like, why are we keep getting it wrong? <laughs> like what, and there's so <laughs> much secrecy, right? Yeah. This is, it's like mm-hmm. the word secrets come out yeah. or, this person who's been doing all these things for years and it was a mm-hmm. secret. And now, mm-hmm. you know, if we hear one more story about some secret <laughs> case, um, but it, yeah. we probably won't stop hearing about it. But I yeah. just, I'm wondering if, is it like what I'm looking at the, like from a healer perspective, mm-hmm. something is not working with people in power mm-hmm. or, um, Maybe it's deeper than that. Is it the lack of talking about our sexuality that makes people go underground? Is it that or act out in ways, this compartmentalization? Somebody can show up and lead this dynamic service with all these mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. and then they have a secret life or they're causing harm. I guess I'm just trying to understand, like, it's so pervasive right now. Yeah. Is there a bigger problem? Are well, we holding yeah, people yeah. to a standard mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. can't live in or a mm-hmm. box that just mm-hmm. doesn't work? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm just so curious about that. Like, I'm looking at it from, yeah. like, what is ultimate liberation? Obviously, yeah, there's a lot of problems out there around unskillful. Yeah. yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I'm Absolutely. Like, I, you know... Absolutely agree with everything you know that you're that you're sharing, and I think these problems are just old. I would even say ancient, right? Struggles that we have around the body and how different systems of thought, spiritual practice, religious dogma, um, have historically rendered the body as being impure and as something that we're trying to transcend because the body is an expression Mm -hmm. of the relative. Mm -hmm. And the relative Mm -hmm. is relegated as being secular. Like this is, we're trying to transcend this life, this body, this world in order to return back to an ultimate experience. Mm-hmm. To heaven, yeah, to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, right? Heaven is not in this body yeah. in, in most traditions or connected to your yeah. body. Yeah, because doesn't it make sense that certain traditions, and I, of course, was raised you know, in Christianity, right? And, and the kind of theology that's really about the impurities of the body, Right, and the desires and the needs of the body being something that we have to repress and yes. get rid of in order to experience godliness. Right, you know? So the body is then again rendered as something that's in the way of experiencing ultimate liberation. Right. And so we don't necessarily within these particular systems, right, we haven't gotten the tools and the practices or created the culture and praxis of actually tending to the body in a way that feels really healing and whole um, and allowing and fluid, right? Right. And then, of course, that has created and perpetuated, well, not maybe necessarily created, but it has definitely perpetuated uh, and fueled systems that are about continuing to encourage us and frankly force us and indoctrinate us to bypass the body, right? 
but to bypass the body, you know, you know, when I say bypass the body, I mean to 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 shift attention away from the body or attempt to attempt, you know, or to attempt to shift attention away from the body. But the body just doesn't stop needing and longing and wanting, right? Like it's right. still there. And so, but if you don't, if you've never been taught to, to become aware of the body, to hold the body, to tend to the body and to figure out how to meet your body's needs, right, in a way that feels really grounding or ethical or fluid or spacious, then, you know, you're not going to have the set of tools, right, to really, to have a kind of liberatory holding of the body. So you just start reacting, in other words. Like, there's just this intense reactivity to the needs of the body that feels really, well, harming and violent because the body's needs you know, is also about being in a relationship to other bodies and needing things from other bodies and other people, right? Right, and that, and then that creates this whole area of our lives where we feel deeply shameful, right? If we yeah. have sexual mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. So also part of this has mm-hmm. come up in relationship to, you know, reading about your new manuscript, reading parts of it, and also my... Mm-hmm. Other students, male mm-hmm. students coming to me and, and then telling me, I have all this sexual energy. I actually don't know what to do. <clears throat> right. I don't know what to do. I don't want to act how I used to act, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would be maybe to act it out in a kind of unconscious way yeah. or just, you know, gratification or something. Yeah. But I realized it was very hard for me to advise them. I would just sit there and go, okay, thank you. And mm-hmm. that's been my way of dealing with things in community is let's heal our bodies. Let's do loving kindness. But that seems like it only gets so far. Let's be compassionate. But if we're not getting all the way down to the root, like if we're not acknowledging this part, then it seems like there's always something left out and that left out piece turns violent, Mm -hmm. right? Or turns um, ignorant in some way, right? Um, Meaning that part of ourselves that we're repressing becomes the thing that we're sort of feeding, you know. Um, well, so we, I, we, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's again you point out something really important because your particular identity locations, yeah. right? Yeah, being, you know, a cisgender woman of color in the also in the role of having spiritual authority. Mm-hmm. And community, right? Like I think there there are a lot of things there for um, that you have to unpack, right? As a teacher, as someone who's been conditioned, you know, um, female or femme, you know, and the the kind of um, these kind of sociological kind of aspects of how we're taught, you know, um, through gendering where or how we should relate to sexuality and who is responsible in a way for meeting our needs, you know, consensually or not consensually, you know, Mm -hmm. as well. And I think this is all coming through particularly the lenses of patriarchy ableism, capitalism, right, just to name a few, um, that inform how we're making choices about tending to our bodies or not tending to our bodies, and, and it informs how we're manipulating or forcing relationships with other people to, to get the unmet needs of our bodies met, right? And it's not, again, mm-hmm. I just want to emphasize, it's not just the body. It's a whole complex emotional, physical, spiritual, um, mental um, expression. That we're calling, yeah, we're, we're putting it in the wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. it's like a mandala. Yeah. But the body is driving this. I mean, we're talking about basic sensations, 
that are asking to be tended to and how violence arises and harm arises for ourselves and for others when we actually don't know how to tend and hold um, these primary physical sensations because we've not grown up in contexts that have actually um, been conducive yeah, to this we kind haven't seen of this modeled right. in our lives. We see trauma yeah. modeled over yeah. and over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. So it's hard to know even how to, you know, I feel like we're talking about this in a very analytical way. I'm also going to be like, what does this mean? Like real well, time. It has to be. Well, I think that's you important know? because I think we always have these conversations and we don't start with like defining what what we're talking about yeah you know like i think it's important even if like our understanding of sexuality may be wrong because we're not psychologists (laughs) or therapists (laughs) you know someone may say well you've already got it wrong like because that's not what sexuality is but it's our working definition right now for this conversation you have to start there Right, and, you know, and then we we can move forward, but we have to be on the same page, even with us, right? Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I think we're. I'm learning. We're learning yeah. um, as we go because, you know, yes, I've been a teacher since I was in my twenties, mm. so I've kind of had a certain frame of mine. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, I remember yeah. just to give you <laughs> tell you something funny about our own Buddhist teachers um, in the Theravada. I remember I was on a seven month meditation retreat in Barry, Massachusetts. Wow! And with all of the Burmese side owls that were coming through right. for like a month and a half at a time, they would come and I would sit and do these very intense practices. It was like, and what's a side owl? A side owl is a, a name for a Burmese teacher that's kind of bestowed as high teacher, mm-hmm. oh. an awakened teacher. Yeah. So side lama, yeah. um, tulko. I wouldn't say lamas are awakened. Yeah, <laughs> right. Are. And not all side owls are. <laughs> so he has this like, you know, so I was, mm-hmm. you know, it was like this big thing. And my Western mm-hmm. teachers were like, you need to sit with these great teachers. And, and I'm, and I'm, and they, on one level, they were. They were. They were great practitioners. They were great practitioners. I will say that of meditation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of form, of the four foundations of mindfulness, Theravada, this kind of um, uh, school of Buddhism that I studied and many people learned from. But I just remember how they were with the body, yeah. and I just remember the the Saito Upandita, who is so famous in Burma. He once gave an hour and a half talk about life being like a bloody pus wound mm. on your leg. And imagine oh. graphic detail, <laughs> like graphic for an hour and a half. So your body, and then the, doing these 32 parts of the body meditations mm-hmm. was they used to have me do over and over where you you basically analyze hair and nails and mm-hmm. all to yeah. develop a dis a disgust, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. In a way, yeah. a disgust for nature. It's mm. just natural. But it, and so it's hard to understand that's an extreme, everybody knows. People don't have that. But we do have some form of that if you're in the Islamic tradition, mm. you're a Hindu, or mm. you're, you know, you you're you are programmed in this way. Um you have to do some work to awaken out of that. And right now, also mm. I want to just mention this. Our bodies seem to be being heavily controlled just Hmm. with this, you know, women's rights to make their own decisions about pregnancies and trans communities and Hmm. care for people. You know, these are our bodies. So there is this kind of, it's also this extreme force being exerted Mm -hmm. at the same time we're trying to awaken it. It feels to me like we're in the back. Maybe that's just a secondary conversation, but the time we're trying to come into right relationship, there's this exertion of power over it, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, we're going to deny people this based on their body, based on gender, but, you know, yeah. so mm-hmm. anyway, but so I, I, I get my location is heavily conditioned. Mm-hmm. However, I want to 
invite us into this conversation. So yes, we can define some of these terms, mm-hmm. even th- although it's hard because it feels like it's new. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to create new terminology. Mm-hmm. We're going to create new, not new terminology, but new ways of looking at language and holding things to kind of create a new dialogue about what we mean by freedom mm-hmm. and what we mean by the body's needs. Because mm-hmm. I'm not always sure if mm-hmm. loneliness comes from my body mm-hmm. or my heart. Mm-hmm. Or are we talking about the same thing or desire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to advise people mm-hmm. other than feel it and be with it. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's enough anymore. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Right. You know, I think sometimes this feels new because we haven't articulated it yet. Like it's, it's not that it's new language. I just haven't said it before, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's been said, you know, um, but the intersections that we're coming from, it just, it makes it sound really new, you know, but I think the angles, I think that the angles that we're coming into this conversation are really new, you know, as well. And you can feel that, you know, discomfort, right? You can feel discomfort in the body, right? And I think that's so much a part of my training around liberation, particularly around blackness and queerness, is that like I have to start naming everything that I've been told not to name because the the silence is what perpetuates these carceral logics that we're trying to break through. Like I'm trying to break through being bound in silence or break through this illusion, you know, that my body is impure or imperfect, you know, and that there's this standard of purity, which is an expression of white supremacy and colonialism and imperialism, right, imposed on us, you know, Mm -hmm. and for many of us deeply embodied, like we are participating like oh, these kind of yeah, white supremacist, yeah, we become pure, the, ideas of purity. We mm-hmm. pass it on, yeah, yeah, you know, and that begins to create culture. But that culture is actually just an expression of trauma, you know. And so, what we're trying to do is name all of this in order to start moving through the ways in which we've been conditioned to think about bodies, attraction, desire, sexuality, the erotic you know, and gender as well as something that's also been imposed on all of us, right? Um, But you also, you you mentioned something really important that really ties into, I think, a lot of the issues that we're experiencing from spiritual leaders and communities, which is that so many people, and of course, I don't have a, you know, a statistic, but um, so many people are... Become spiritual leaders are invited into spiritual leadership when they actually haven't done enough work to understand who they are. Right? You know, you talk mm-hmm. about becoming a teacher at twenty. Yeah. Do yeah. we do we really need to become teachers at twenty? You know, because this 26. is twenty six. <laughs> still, you're still in your twenties. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I agreed. I, I was refusing, yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you're there, you're there, and there's no one else. Yeah. You know, yeah, because this isn't like teaching a high school or you know a school. <laughs> like I'm not teaching English. I'm teaching people actually how to get free, how to love themselves, right? And how to relate to their bodies and the expressions of who they are in a way that feels gentle and open and aware. But if we have these people coming into positions that haven't actually done this for themselves, but they know how to talk the game and to perform, you know, the whole role, then that's where you're setting yourself up for um, a lot of harm to happen, Absolutely. I mean, that's no doubt. And I think, and I think this is also true. You were saying we're not making up anything new. We just haven't talked about this before. Mm -hmm. So if we haven't talked about it, other people have not. I mean, this is like, I was never going to ask these side owls, what do I do with all my sexual energy? They would have freaked out. I might have got kicked out. Yeah. You know, just for naming it. Yeah. And and so yeah. I mean maybe not kicked out, but somehow I would have felt shunned or like I I 
I was focused on the wrong thing. I didn't get it right. How could I be going there? These are, you know, disturbances. These are mine. You know, I, it's so hard to know. And I think, and I wanted to have this conversation and I just want to apologize to listeners. It might be a bit (laughs) messy as we trudge through, but this is what we're trying to do is cut through. And this is confusing. It's confusing for people in spiritual communities who is mm-hmm. it's confusing for teachers trying to hold yep. space. Yeah. Even if you're a virgin or you've slept mm-hmm. with 500 people, it's still <laughs> confusing. You, you know, mm-hmm. experiences are experiences, but they don't always lead to clarity. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I want to apologize as we try mm-hmm. to, you know, it feels like going through the mud, a swamp to get to the mm-hmm. other side. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as we think about creating community, mm-hmm. I want to move into a new chapter. I want to mm-hmm. move from a place of what is liberated sexuality? Mm-hmm. What is beyond the trauma? Mm-hmm. And I like where you were going with this mm-hmm. is like connecting to our bodies and mm-hmm. everybody's trying to get in their bodies. But mm-hmm. what's in your body is a lot of unresolved sexual trauma. Hence yeah. this conversation may bring it out. Yeah. So this is the dance, right? We're mm-hmm. we're we're moving into the, the eye of the storm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet we're also trying to see what is beyond. Right? Is there right. something where we can fully love our bodies? Can we yeah. can we honor who we are, regardless of what our mm-hmm. gender identification is, our location, yeah. or yeah. you know that matters. But at the core, mm-hmm. you know where. Where are we taking people? Where am I mm-hmm. going with this? This has been my, and my, up to mm-hmm. now, everybody, my response has been not to talk about it. Mm. And I just don't bring it up. I don't give yeah. teachings on this. Hence, this yeah. is the side of the <laughs> the stone that's unpolished. <laughs> Here we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> Turning yeah. it over, going, wait. Yeah. Well, and then on... Um, that I have the the opposite experience because I have taught a lot about sexuality um, and ethical misconduct. I used to teach um, a, a teaching or a workshop or a retreat called Practicing Unsafe Dharma, which was... You know, <laughs> Unsafe <laughs> Dharma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm all into titles, but for me, like early on in my teaching, people were lining up to ask these questions because there were no other teachers Mm -hmm. who were willing to have these conversations, right? And I could only have these conversations because I started, you know, of course, growing up in like a Black prophetic tradition in the South with my mom and church, that translating into, of course, activism and organizing and so forth. But the my organizing and activism, I was mostly uh, an an activist, you know. Um, (laughs) But in my activism community, um, in my 20s, we were having these conversations and doing this work, right, around how do we bring our bodies into justice work, right? What What is, you know, sexual justice, you know, erotic justice, which is the name actually of a really important book, Erotic, erotic justice. justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll try to put those in the notes as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Erotic justice, which I studied right in, in graduate school as well. Um, but for me, like, yeah, I started from a really confused, bewildered place around sexuality and growing up queer, right? That was absolutely, and growing up queer before the internet, and before social media, like I had no outlets except what I could find on TV or what I could go to the library to find in books, right? Um, that informed my sexuality growing up within the context that was really in the context that was teaching me to hate my body, to hate my desire, to to be different than I was. And that created certain well, certainly a lot of different kinds of trauma around my body and sexuality um, that was really related to this kind of um, a hypochondria around AIDS and HIV, contracting AIDS and HIV, 
which is a kind of, um, for me, I identified as a transhistorical trauma, right? Once I started awakening to my own queerness, that queerness was linked to yes, the AIDS epidemic. And that, and, mm. I, and that trauma transferred right into me and my body. And that began many years of struggling with the fear of sex, you know, Absolutely. for fear of getting sick, um, getting sick, but coupled with my deep desire to be engaged sexually. So both of these were happening at the same time. I enjoyed sex and I hated it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that also gave rise to a deep resentment um, of other gay and queer men that I was actually in relationship with because I felt like they were trying to kill me. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, so that kind of like... and I, that, you know, I have so many writers and thinkers and mentors and elders in my head, you know, over the years who have helped me to really move through this. And I think about the the black gay writers and thinkers of the 80s, particularly Essex Hemphill, Joseph Bean, um, and so forth, who whose writings really helped me to form a more healthy, liberating understanding um, of who I was you know, as a black, queer, um, gay man coming up in mm-hmm. really the second generation, post-generation after AIDS or during AIDS, however we want to think about it. But I was born in the late 70s, so I came up. I was born before the AIDS epidemic, so I kind of grew up in the, you know, in the AIDS culture, as some of us refer to it, right? And having been the first, our first, you know, we were part of the first generation of actually understanding, you know, healthy sexual practices, you know, and that really being drilled into, you know, into our curriculums, you know, particularly I remember middle school, high school, you know, having safe sex class, you know, uh, which was more like scare tactics because in the South, they just kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And the celibacy (laughs) was the first and best route they gave you. Step one, follow this. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Till you're married. Yeah. Till you're married, right? And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm never going to get married because I'm gay. So (laughs) So I better figure this out. I (laughs) I mean, it's, I think part of, you know, what I'm experiencing now in this moment of conversation, I'm like, oh, this is a, this, there's so many stories to tell. Oh there's gosh. so many issues <laughs> that I've been, you know, really focusing on in my writing, you know, bringing out. Um, but I say, I, I shared all that to say, you know, this led into my Dharma practice, right? Because I had gone through this really intense labor of understanding what was happening to me. My, you know, my fear of sex coupled with my desire to experience like sex, you know, coupled with the struggle to identify as a queer person with this heavy burden or trauma of the AIDS epidemic weighing down Mm -hmm. and informing so Mm -hmm. much of the pleasure that I attempted to, to experience being deeply colored are disrupted by the fear, you know, of getting sick. And I just carried that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then on top of that, the shame of body, because we get into the politics of desirability that are inflated, are conflated within the expression of sexuality, you know? And that really, for me, um, expressed itself as like never feeling desired enough or never feeling attractive, right? That I was never like the one who, you know, was being sought after. And I deeply internalized that as a form of, you know, self-hate, you know? Yeah. But as I was coming into Dharma practice in my, like, mid-20s, early mid-20s, like, I was really acutely aware of that. Like, I knew that suffering. That wasn't a surprise. So I brought that material into my Dharma practice. And I think that's what has created a very different experience for me is that nowhere along the way did anyone, my mentors or teachers, tell me that I shouldn't be holding this in my Dharma practice. Like, I shouldn't, that these are questions. If I was, 
again, I came through Dharma through activist Buddhists. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. Like people Not who were like suppressive monks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like people who mm-hmm. were in the world trying to change yeah. the world for the better, but who had also come into a Dharma practice, right? And so the the whole thing was like if you're suffering, then you need to ask yourself why you're suffering and then tend to what you find. And so I just kept tending. I kept digging and digging and tending and tending, which has created the kind of dharma, right, that I share with folks, right? But going back to this, you know, this question, right, you know, we we have spiritual leaders who have never done this level of work around sexuality and they become shadows, right? And so when something becomes a shadow, it becomes unnamed. Right, so you can engage with that shadow, right, and not call it anything, and you know, and then you have this public performance that meets the needs of the community or the congregation, right, that you're working with. So you can show up performing, being a monk, because that's how my teacher showed up in my monastic mm-hmm. community as an you know ordained, realized, um, celibate monk who for many years was also having sexual, unethical sexual relationships with um, female students, you right. know, and, you know, some of which I knew personally and are friends of mine. Oh, my gosh. You know. And I guess this is the, yeah, well, thank you for sharing, you know, this is why you talk about it. And it's why you're writing about it. And it's why you're, you know, you have a, you had an opportunity to, to explore it because I imagine it was so painful, right? That's the contraction, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the ultimate, <laughs> you're trying to feel into your body yeah. and then, you know, you, you're coming out as a gay, young, black male and, yeah. and then wham, you know, there's just so much to sort yeah. through yeah. and, um, and I really want to take a moment to acknowledge mm-hmm. all the gay youth and mm-hmm. trans youth and mm-hmm. non-binary. And I just like, wow, they're coming into this too. Yeah. And they're hitting <clears throat> us these walls. Yeah. There's something, I think this is why it feels so important to me to talk about too, mm-hmm. is the repression right now mm-hmm. of the repress and that's what I was getting at it's like yeah. I feel like this awakening this awakening in our bodies is a response yeah. you know uh, we're trying to be liberated we're trying to do it safely mm-hmm. we're trying to whatever safely means not harming other people in the process or ourselves I mean I guess yeah. we have to define safe you know yeah. we're safe mm-hmm. to one person is totally mm-hmm. unsafe to somebody else mm-hmm. I mean you know this is a, such a spectrum here um, but I don't want another generation right. to go through this trauma of of pleasure and love and healing yeah. and awakening. I just, yeah. I don't even want myself to continue to feel mm-hmm. like that as I get mm-hmm. older. You know, mm-hmm. celibacy was my response to trauma, right. and so. But now it's 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 evaporating, you know. It's right. like, well, <laughs> well, this is not the answer right. anymore, right? right. It's like yeah. it served, and now yeah. it's not exactly. So it had a purpose, you know. Yeah. I want to be safe for people. Yeah. I want to be there for yeah. people. I want to be clear for people. We're in vulnerable situations with students and, and you know my medicine work. I'm holding them, and mm-hmm. we're we're t- you know we're doing deep work. And it just felt important, and it still feels important, but I just feel like we're on the cusp of something. (laughs) And it's just so interesting. So much of this was brought out Mm -hmm. when I was Mm -hmm. reading about, you know, your manuscript was just like all these bells. It was like, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, it was really (laughs) like that. Like, wait, there's a door that's been shut. Um, and well, it's easy yeah. for us to stay in that shut place. Exactly. exactly. It's very easy. And these people don't yep. have anywhere to go if you're a spiritual yeah. leader. There yeah. is no group to go to mm-hmm. because we're not, nobody's talking about it. Yeah. That's, oh, that's extremely 
key. And I think that could be what we explore in part two. Yes. This definitely is like part 30. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this could go on forever and ever. You yeah. know, but I definitely want to get into like, that's a lot to get into. Like, how do we actually embody spiritual service and spiritual leadership? You know, and at the same time, taking care of ourselves and creating ways that can help us be held accountable. Because I've had to do that on my own, you know, which I am grateful for, you know. But, you know, there's something else, too, Um, even just backing back a little bit. Like, you know, I went through years of celibacy, you know, as a monk, training and retreat, you know, Um, and those were so, um, they, they were extremely important years for me to, like, take a break from expressing my sexuality, yes. like, physically like that. And it gave me a break to understand how sexuality is expressed through all these other ways, like, through my thinking, through my speech, talking, like, through how... I created like patterns of behavior, you know, that felt that could have looked mundane, but were really deeply influenced, you know, by myself as a sexual being, because we all are sexual beings, right? And how do we express that? So my monastic years really actually helped me to understand that even though I was celibate, like for those years, I was still a sexual person, a sexual being expressing myself sexually in many ways. Of course, part of that was through fantasies, right? Like that didn't just stop, you know, um, but it also gave me space and perspective to understand what I desired and why, you know, I was desiring it, Um But you also said, you know, something really important, Spring, that we have to point out, and that's how as we become elders, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that it is part of our role as as people who are consenting to our eldership. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. that That we look back through our lives and say, how can I make this easier? Yes. The young people. And what do I need to say? What do I need to do? What do I need to write? Like, what do I need to organize to help young folks coming up know that, like, it is okay for them to be themselves? That, yes. like, the, the, here are some tools that we never got, right? Yeah, we never got. We didn't understand back. them till later yeah. in our lives. <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, young people, I mean, people have access to social media and the internet, which, again, I didn't have until I was, like, 18 or 19. Yeah. Like, in college, right? And that was revolutionary <laughs> to, yeah. like, join chat communities online with other, you know, gay and queer yes, folks. Yes, yes. The chat you know? room phenomenon was I just, know. it was like a talk, it was like a talk show. You know, we would like go just, on and tell all our business. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you know, people don't realize it was like you just had one chat room at the beginning and everyone, you had like, you could have like a hundred people I or more in a it. chat yeah. room and everyone was having a conversation yeah. in one chat box, <laughs> you know? So you had to like figure out who you were talking to and stay connected. <laughs> it was just like line after line, you know, of dialogue that people were talking to other people. And I loved it. It was like, so I fun just... to talk to other queer people, right? I yeah. remember when I was in my lesbian era, I said, <laughs> I, I was all about the chat rooms then. I was I spent yeah. a whole summer in those chat rooms just talking, mm-hmm. discussing, mm-hmm. you know, sharing. Yeah. You... Your lesbian era, like you need to now. You realize you have to talk about this now. Oh, when I went, oh yeah, well, <laughs> oh right. When I remember, I I I had a summer in Oakland at Lake Merritt, and I called it my, I called it my gay summer because I came out. I told everybody, um, mm-hmm. but all I did was sit around in those chat rooms. You see, it never yeah. went anywhere. I was too scared. <laughs> I was, it was when, you know, the internet just started, you know, Mm -hmm, and I was mm -hmm. literally on my computer like, hello, hello, (laughs) is anyone else out there? I have to talk about my sexuality. But I will honestly say right here and right now, 
I, I have always believed I was on the spectrum. I have mm-hmm. never felt, I, I don't act on it, but I've always felt, my, mm-hmm. I've fallen in love with men. I've fallen in love with mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. I have always felt that I was there, but this was when I made a big declaration. I mean, I really sat my mother down. Mm-hmm. And then when I did that, all my friends began to say they also were lesbians and they were going to mm-hmm. explore. And so it was like this whole summer mm-hmm. that we had where everybody, it was just, I think it was just part of discovery. Yeah. It was just like, was, yeah. you know, yeah. who are we? Who are we yeah. in, in, with the same gender? Who are with these beautiful women? So all my mm-hmm. friends and everyone mm-hmm. was getting crushes. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, my own self repression of being you know, I, I didn't act on a lot. I didn't act on it, but that didn't mean I, it wasn't in my mind, but I've never thought of myself as hetero, even mm-hmm. though that's, you know, I've always thought I was somewhere on the spectrum, but, and I think we all are to some mm-hmm. degree. I think we're, mm-hmm. we're, you know, maybe some feel that they're not and they're not comfortable saying they're on a spectrum, but I think many are, you know, and, um, but yes, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because I feel like as I look at this new generation, they are so mm-hmm. fearless. They are so mm-hmm. courageous. Mm-hmm. They're going beyond body and and they're breaking yeah. through the molds and you know and going here I am and you know weight doesn't matter and and, th- and who you mm-hmm. are, gender, this and that, mm-hmm. and expressing yourselves. I, I feel like they need something. There's got to be, I don't want them to go through the road mm-hmm. that of suffering and all the mm-hmm. years that we did to try to get to this place of, of honoring their bodies. Yeah. Well, and then at the same time, right, there's something important about the struggle itself in terms of like really figuring out who we are. I think there has to be some resistance, some struggle. That, yeah, because it was know. your pain that ultimately had you focus mm-hmm. on it, right? You took yeah. it into your retreat mm-hmm. with this, like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is suffering, and I'm going to mm-hmm. look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that um, there is definitely a, so much liberation and curiosity and exploring. You know, and for me, sometimes I get into this place where I'm like, oh, everyone can do whatever they want in terms of like exploring. There's all these spaces now and social media, you know, but it's still not the case. There's still many people who are really deeply afraid and feel a lot of shame, right? And shame, of course, is the fear of being ostracized or marginalized, but it's the fear. The shame is really the fear of like not getting what we need. Right, so if something is found out about us that may jeopardize the getting the resources that we need to be well, right? So that shame is used as a policing tool for ourselves, and of course, culture, societies, families, relationships, etc. Weaponize shame against us, and that is a really powerful, volatile um, experience that keeps many people from really exploring, like who they are. Right. And I think that contributes to rigid gender binaries, right? Mm-hmm. And how they're being reinforced through legislation, you know, right now, right now. And through yeah, culture literally. and all everything, you know. Like it's this deep fear that actually we can be free, but that freedom means that we have to divest from these systems of power. Rather, Actually, we have to divest from the ways in which these rigid systems are conferring power, social power on us, because we don't want to be weak. You know, and we the don't power want to be over vulnerable. our sexuality, yeah. reproduction. There's something about this yeah. this thing that feels interesting. It's this pushing toward breaking free the repression mm-hmm. of our actual bodies, legislating, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, saying mm-hmm. we're going to deny trans youth care, health care. Yeah. We're going to deny mm-hmm. women rights to certain kind of health care that, you know what I mean? That's so yeah. interesting. And, you know, and yeah, anyone, right, anyone who um, has the capacity, right, to to have children, like to, to you know, to give birth, right, to, to expand that language, right? It's just... 
you know, is yes, women and anyone, right, yeah. who's and able, anyone. you know, to acknowledge, mm-hmm. you know, you know, trans men and gender non-binary and gender non-conforming folks um, who, you know, um, have kids. But there, you know, it's it's such a weaponizing of our own <clears throat> deep fear around how our bodies and our sexualities and, you know, every expression of our bodies and minds actually is, is actually fluid instead of rigid. Yeah. You know? And when something becomes fluid, it's not so controllable. It's not so, exactly. so definable anymore. <laughs> so who am I if someone is just really fluid, really, who's like saying, you know, I'm not, this or that, you know, I'm everything. Like every, you know, every day it's different. Exactly. You know, we, we're terrified of that. Like yeah, we we're like, are, make a decision, pick a yeah. side, pick a lane. Yeah, we're addicted to permanence because that's permanence is, is, is something that feels safe for us. Like it's less work if things just remain the same and predictable. And of course, that's how our egos, our sense of selves are defined and reinforced through permanence or the illusion of permanence. Like, if that stays the same, then I can stay the same. But if that changes, who am I? If that changes, right? If that reflection, if the mirror cracks, then that's going to actually reflect back to me a cracked image of who I am. And that's really uncomfortable. So let's erase the mirror, right? Or let's erase gender nonconforming folks and trans folks, you know, yes. from our communities, you know, our indigenous folks, our black folks and black and brown. Like it's, we're all being, this is happening. Yes. To, to all of us. Like it's, it's a policing and erasure of anything that doesn't line up within a white supremacist, capitalist, ableist notion of mm-hmm. purity and rigidity and normality. Like we're all the opposite of normal and therefore we have to be eradicated. And erased. And I think that this is also somehow they have defined the whole conversation on sexuality, this mm-hmm. this extreme, you know, view. And yeah. and you know, people are very scared of sexual sexually fluid people. And, and yeah. people are fluid with their sexuality. We don't mm-hmm. like it. We're like, get married, stay mm-hmm. married your whole life. Do mm-hmm. you know and I'm just wondering, you know, and as we start coming to the end because I mean we could talk about this <laughs> stuff and I want to thank the audience you know for staying with us as we're cutting through yeah. hope you can feel where we're going with this so what we're you know there'll be more to come there's right. more to express here but I feel like it's awakening now you know mm-hmm. it's like I, I mean, some people, that expression, we're building the plane as we fly it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it's awakening now, but something mm-hmm. really important. Um, yeah, there's something really important that's trying to release itself, to free itself. Yeah. And yeah. I don't have the language of it yet, actually, other yeah. than safe and love and embodiment, but I don't even and, know if that does it. And consensual. Like consensual. Yeah. It's it's yeah. So at That's this point in my life, for me, it's like I want to embody and express a sexuality that's that's fluid. Like where I'm like able to become, you know, um, Things or express energies that help me to be freer, to experience more freedom and more connectedness and more intimacy. Like I don't want to experience fear, right? Yes, you know, or pain. I want and pain. Like I want my sexuality to be held kindly and gently, and to be seen as a vital expression of who I am, and an expression that actually begins to open the door to these ultimate experiences of liberation, right? And, you know, and and what that means is that, like, I, you know, I believe and practice sex positivity, right? That we have a right to, to express our sexualities in a way that feels ethical, you know, in a way that um, reduces harm, particularly reducing harm through non-consensual 
expressions and experiences of sexuality with others, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To begin to see, to, to begin to experience communities where our sexuality is held and related to not as something that's pushed to the side and and labeled secular or impure, you know? But that means that we have to develop communities and relationships that are also about holding energy, like because sexuality is energy, you know? How do we relate to this energy, take care of it, hold space for it, and then respond to it in a way that that is about, yes, experiencing pleasure, like there's nothing wrong with pleasure to experience well, uh, yeah. pleasure, but not get lost in the pleasure, not weaponize our pleasure against other people to get our unmet needs met, but to experience pleasure and to revel in that pleasure and to begin to experience the ultimate nature of that pleasure through our sexuality. You know, and well, that's I've never seen a community like this who can balance all you know? those. And I love this idea that there can be. <laughs> Absolutely. If we're talking about enlightened society, then it's also enlightened sexuality as well. Yes. And that's what I wanted to get to is this like liberated, yeah. what is liberated? And thank you. You did. That was so beautifully framed. That was mm-hmm. so beautifully framed, I think. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. And it's still work, you know, as and we'll it's talk still about. work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about on part two. Yeah, like the work. <laughs> so this, of course, becomes different in the role of authority. <laughs> yes. You know, and one has to understand that role of authority really quick. You've got you to get that. Yeah. That, you yeah. know. But you just can't end up in spiritual authority saying that, oh, I can figure this out if you haven't been trying to figure it out for years before. Well, it's easy for it not to be figured out because no one, in all my years at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, I only heard Jack give a five-minute talk Mm -hmm. on sexuality. And that was Mm -hmm. amidst giggles and laughing. And it Mm -hmm. felt like, you know, your seventh grade class, your teacher was talking about people you know, getting their period. No one knew how to handle it. <laughs> immature. That's like we yeah. Have it was such, like an immaturity. Yeah. yeah, we were all like, "Oh yeah. my god, I can't believe we're saying this." You Our know, culture it, is so sex satu- saturated, <laughs> but like not sexually mature. Oh, we're you know? kindergartners, if even that. <laughs> this is kinder. We're, we're we're that's why we're that's why it's so violent. Yeah. That's why it's so yeah. much pain because yeah. we're we're taking explosions, explosive energy, and we're mm-hmm. just throwing grenades all around, and they're yeah. landing, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, so. But this is this is, and this will be the last thing too. But just to point out again, the energy, like the root of this, is energy, right? right? It's energy and space. How am I relating to energy and space right now? How am I? being trained to tend to energy, to let energy move, to direct energy, to respond to energy instead of reacting to energy. Because reactivity is the root of violence and harm, you know, in relationships yes. and communities, right? And so that's what we're trying to get to through, at least through through Dharma practice, is to like hold space and respond to energies to reduce violence and to open the door to, to freedom. Yeah, and to become truly embodied. Yeah. Yeah, to become truly embodied. So, okay, well, I think this was juicy, and it'll be so funny to look back and listen to this. (laughs) Will it be funny? (laughs) In a couple of years, where where are we at now? Yeah, it changes like that. Exactly. It's it's you know. a this is you know, and and I, I wanted to bring this up to for people who are triggered and find this reactive, I'm sorry, and I understand with my own trauma too. It's yeah. I've written about it and, and yeah. more has aro- arisen yeah. in my consciousness in the last mm-hmm. three, four months. It's been really challenging. But yeah. I want us to reach a place of liberation. Yeah. Yeah. Where we love our bodies, 
Yeah. We are fluid. As you say, we, we're relating yeah. to space yeah. and energy. And and this is our root chakra. This is our yeah. this mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. is the roots of, mm-hmm. of something very important. And so yeah. In that spirit, we're investigating, we're talking, yeah. and we're yeah. bringing um, a lamp, trying to shine a lamp into this. And we're doing our work. Yes. Too. Like this is part of our work as people with spiritual authority and community to begin to have these conversations and embody what a just, liber- liberating sexual ethic looks like in spiritual practice and spiritual leadership. You know, so... Thank you, Lama Rod, for this conversation. And part two, look for, it will be coming soon. We're not sure when. (laughs) (laughs) And also my book, too. I think this is going to come out as I release, as we announce the book sale or the pre-sale for the book. So the New Saints, um, From Brokenheartedness to Spiritual Warriorship. Um, our book sale begins Juneteenth. So this may come out around Juneteenth. Um, and the publication date is Halloween, ironically. On purpose. Wow. Actually. Trick or treat. Yeah. <laughs> Trick or treat, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so you'll get, you know, again, just um sign up for our my newsletter, Springs newsletter, you know, and to just to keep up to date about, you know, our writing and our projects and our, you know, joint projects coming up in the future. Yes, I'm very excited. And I think your book is so good and I'm so proud of you. And I'm I'm, I'm proud of your highest Buddha nature self. (laughs) And um, so thank you, everybody. Okay, that's all for Conversations Liberation conversations spirit underground thank you so much